0: There's this story that keeps popping up. Different versions of it, anyhow. It's a story of a digital journalist, or a blogger, or a citizen journalist, whatever. Being told that they're not real, they're not the real deal, not real journalists, not bona fide. and yes, I've been on the receiving end of this, so has Ezra Levant when his reporters were banned by the Alberta government from covering the legislature last month. but I'm not talking about that kind of judgment when politicians refuse you access on the grounds that you're not real. what I 'm talking about is when journalists do this to other journalists. It's not a good look, and it keeps happening. You remember Joey Coleman and the resistance that he got from his colleagues in the mainstream media over in Hamilton. And then there are the press galleries, the self-governing little clubs of journalists who control access to different legislatures. We keep hearing these stories here at Canada Land about how these press galleries have become the place where old journalists close the door on new journalists. It's happened a little bit in Ottawa at the federal level, And it's happened in BC and in Alberta, and it's happening right now in Ontario. It's happening to Alison Smith. Alison is the sole proprietor of the website Queen's Park Today, and she'll tell you what she's been going through in a minute. Wait for it. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Jay Parlar. Daniel, Andrew Bates, Jan Ruback, Adam Brown, Dylan Childs, Jim Patterson, and Tyler Norton. Tyler, why did you decide to be awesome? Because it brings me the news I need to act like I'm not a university dropout. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp, therapy online that has served over three million people around the world, and BetterHelp is available here in Canada. A lot of people have various blocks or reasons why they. Don't just reach out for that help. And one thing you'll hear people say is they just don't have the time. I would like to mount a different uh, argument here, which is that if you are talking to a mental health professional, if you're if you're chatting with somebody about your life and about your priorities, you can clear away a lot of the clutter. You can actually find yourself with more time because you have a better sense of what's important to you. Like it's an investment that can pay off even in that practical way of, of organizing your life a bit better. These are some of the advantages in in the long run of having something like BetterHelp in your life. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And because you listen to the show, you get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com CanadaLand. Once again, it's betterhelp.com. along with five free travel packs. You'll get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2, along with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com CanadaLand. That is drinkag1.com slash CanadaLand. Check it out. This episode is also brought to you by our founding sponsors, FreshBooks, proud Canadian company, cloud accounting through FreshBooks, online invoicing made easy. It is time, everyone. We need to do our taxes. It is time to think about this stuff. It's time to get your act together. And if you are sending people invoices, you want them to be good invoices that reflect well upon you and that result in quick payment. That is what FreshBooks is all about, saving you time when you do your books, when you do your invoicing, and getting you paid more quickly. It is a very robust service you can track your time. You can file your expenses. There is a beautiful mobile app and it is free to try for 30 days. And then when you do sign up, packages start at just $9.95 a month. People, if you need something like this and have not done it yet, there is no time like the present. Go there now. Go to freshbooks.com canadaland Canada Land. Try it out for free. You will see what I am talking about. When you do decide to become a customer, once again, tell them who sent you. You'll be doing the show a favor. Thank you, FreshBooks. So you you write Queens Park today? Yes. And you just arrived a few minutes ago to the studio and I asked you are you coming from Queens Park and you said, "Well, no, I'm not allowed at Queens Park."
1: Right. I'm not allowed at Queens Park. <laughs>
0: how are you How are you the the uh, the person who writes Queens Park today, a Queens Park reporter not allowed at Queens Park?
1: Well, I'll say I still cover Queens Park, but I watch a lot of live streams of question period and the debates and of the premier's events and lots of almost all of her events, at least the important announcements are live streamed. So I can cover everything. But ever since I started Queen's Park today, uh, four years ago, almost to the day, actually, the press gallery at Queen's Park has denied me membership on the grounds that it's not a a valid uh, publication.
0: How do they determine validity of publication?
1: Um, It's actually very unclear. They have never really given me a direct reasoning for why I've been denied. It's a lot of unreturned phone calls, unreturned emails. And I guess I could tell the whole story.
0: (laughs) Tell the whole story. (laughs) the whole story. Start at the beginning.
1: I'll start at the beginning. So I was a reporter in Ottawa. I worked for the Hill Times for a a couple of their online properties. Sure. uh, For two years, and I was a member of the press gallery there. The irony is part of my job was taking new staff members to the press gallery to get them accredited so I actually was in the parliamentary press gallery quite a bit I knew the staff whatever very pleasant place
0: and that and that press gallery as I understand it has uh, I mean there have been a couple bumps but they've done a pretty good job of getting access to journalists from online news from independent news was that is that accurate um,
1: as far as I know yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know anyone that's been denied there I think except Frank magazine is I, I think a notorious. Exception, they have. They, I don't think that they're members, but
0: and it's all uh, governed by journalists themselves. The, the president of the parliamentary press gallery is always a different journalist, and this is a body of journalists who decide right. who gets in and who
1: exactly. But so that press gallery has like more than three hundred members, lots of online members, lots of foreign members. I mean, people were tweeting the other day about how, I mean. Uh, the Chinese Communist Party or the People's Republic of China's party, like funded newspapers are allowed to be members. Like they just don't really question it as long as your it's your principal occupation is covering the hill. So I actually spoke to Terry Guillaume I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. Last year, sort of when I was going through some of the um, bumps with the press gallery here about it. And it's like, what would your process be for accrediting someone who runs a digital publication? And he said, we would give you a temporary membership and as long as after six months you proved that you were covering the Hill every day, then that's all we want to know. We just want to know that's you're that's what you're doing.
0: That sounds like it's the only constraint is a logistical one. Uh, I guess just to stop anybody from coming in who is writing an article for a student newspaper, they say, well, it's got to be your principal occupation. I mean, that's a little bit in this day and age. There's lots of people who uh, might freelance and want to write want to cover parliament but then they have to have another job on the side or something like that and they would be excluded there's
1: different rules for freelancers though I think you have to basically just have letters from the publication that you're writing for and then you can you go through it sort of a different way and then you get guest passes okay which which works I think for them so it, it wouldn't be their principal occupation but they'd still be allowed on the hill to do whatever they needed at any given time
0: okay so that's what they do in Ottawa
1: yes so then after I left Ottawa and I left my job there because I didn't want to live in Ottawa anymore. I'm from Toronto. I was just sort of done with the cold winters and one was coming. This Winter was coming. Um, so I moved back to Toronto and decided to start this online publication that would cover the daily debates, proceedings, committees, question period, all that stuff about Queen's Park. And at the time, there was no one else doing a daily subscription-based service like this. And I guess... I was naive in the fact because my uh, workings with the parliamentary press gallery were so good that, you know, it would just be a couple phone calls, submitted an application, and it would be all good. But four years later it still has never been.
0: <laughs> so tell me about your indie news service, because it seems like unless they are making this distinction on the basis of that you're Independent or online versus a legacy media or traditional print broadcast, like what is their distinction based on? They're not telling you like you haven't been given a firm answer as to why you're being denied.
1: No, never a firm answer, never anything in writing other than the words you do not qualify
0: so, what are you doing? Tell Tell us about Queens okay, park ok, yeah, so
1: Queens Park today is a online news service. It's subscription based. It's quite niche. It covers like everything that goes on in queens park over um over the day. So what bills are debated, what's set in question period, what the premier's doing, um, what events ministers are hosting, what their announcements are. yada, yada, yada. So we have uh, our subscribers are, I mean, lots of people in the politics industry, if you will, in and around Queen's Park. I mean, there's lots of public servants, ministries subscribe, uh, public affairs firms, industry associations, p- um, private companies, lo- lots and lots of different people. But, I mean, you're mo- you're not going to subscribe because <laughs> it's expensive and you don't need to know all of this stuff. Like, it's for people that need to know very specific details.
0: It's not retail journalism. This is not – you're not there uh, representing – the public and saying, here's what's happening in your Queen's Park. As I understand it, this is sort of a niche service, the same way that a trade publication is like this is. There are a lot of paywall publications that are succeeding mm-hmm. because they're industry trades. If you're, you know, I don't know, uh, really doing the, the very fine grain reporting on the mining industry and then you're selling subscriptions not to like readers in their homes, but to organizations and companies and, and think tanks and people who need to know what's happening in that industry, you can charge a pretty penny in that. And, and there's a lot of news that that sort of functions that way. So it seems like you're covering politics in Ontario For the politics industry. Right, yeah. Is is that accurate? Yeah,
1: that's a great description. So, yeah, basically it would be a trade publication for politics, for not necessarily politicians, but for, yeah, the industry of politics, sure.
0: I mean, that seems to me like a a fairly established form of journalism Mm -hmm. that, that, you know, it it doesn't even necessarily get – I mean, you're using the internet and and, uh, pay subscription services in a way that's pretty contemporary. But – to do a subscription-based trade magazine is is something that's like a very established business model.
1: And to do one about politics as well. One of the jobs I did at The Hill Times was work for Parliament Now, which was a similar service to what I started in Ontario, but covering the Hill there. So, so they federally were, the same thing. Exactly. They were doing the exact same thing.
0: Yeah. So, who did you piss off? Like, what, what, what do they have against you? Or is it just that this is a very different organization than the federal uh, parliamentary press gallery?
1: That's it. It's very different. I mean, immediately it's uh, with a Google search, your listeners can check it out. You can check it out. Try to Google who the members of the Queen's Park Press Gallery are. Try to find a website that lists how you apply. Try to find um, a list of their president and vice president and treasurer online. Nothing. Like, Whereas in co- contrast, the Parliamentary Press Gallery lists tons of their members and their phone numbers. It l- literally has an how-to-apply section, their constitutions online. It's very open and transparent, whereas the Queen's Park Press Gallery, there's, there's nothing. The only way I was able to obtain an applica- or a copy of their constitution was through somebody else who had been a former member. And even that was from 2001, so I don't even know if that's up to date.
0: You've written that, uh, sadly, the reporters running the Queen's Park Gallery have built a giant wall around their tower and have refused access to any new entrance and that you know of at least two other publications facing the same problem. Mm -hmm. What are these two other publications?
1: So one of them is called Looney Politics. They cover federal and Ontario issues out of London, Ontario. So they kind of have a southwestern Ontario angle. uh, And the other one would be Ontario Newswatch which is run by Susanna Kelly, who is actually a very longtime member of the press gallery. She used to work for TVO. And then when she went out to work for this Ontario Newswatch, she tried to start her own Queen's Park Bureau and hire uh, reporters to sort of build up the gallery there and has been also denied membership for even longer than me, I think.
0: And then you announced on Twitter that you finally got membership. So I was surprised to learn that you... Uh, today are not coming right from Queen's Park, that you're not allowed in Queen's Park.
1: Right. So what happened was this week, I um, on the day that the Notley letter and the whole Twitter uh, uproar about what is a journalist was going on, I decided to email the the president of the press gallery, who I haven't had any contact with for over a year. Uh, actually, less than a year. And but, who's that? Uh, his name is Randy Rath. He works for CHCH. And sort of point him in the direction of the the Twitter news and say, isn't it a little silly when people arbitrarily (laughs) decide who's a journalist, and then told him about my CIUT radio show, which is launching on February 29th, there's a plug for it, Detangled, live on Monday mornings. So tell him about that, because my issue has been that that show is airing from 9 o'clock till 10 o'clock. Question period starts at eleven or starts at ten thirty is probably forty paces from Hard House where this is being uh, recorded. But I was going to not be allowed to go watch question period, so I was going to have to try to get to a television or a live stream. With in it, just was insane. It's insane that I couldn't go. That I couldn't go there. So I asked him can I you'd be
0: around the corner I'd be staring
1: at Queen's Park and you'd have
0: to instead go and find a TV screen rather than just go
1: right and I actually was preparing for this I had one of the freelance writers I was I work with um, like make sure he could cover a question period for me every Monday like I set up like set up my whole life around not being allowed to go to Queen's Park so I asked Randy this during the the Twitter onslaught and he says sure you can come on Mondays We will give you guest passes. And I was just like, what? Like, after four years, (laughs) that's what I get? So I replied. I'm like, okay, I want to go to the budget lockup, which is on the 25th. And I've also never been allowed to go to one.
0: So a lot of people don't know what a lockup is. Let's. uh...
1: Right. So they invite all the journalists, all the real journalists, (laughs) uh, scare quotes, uh, into, the, uh, into a government building from, say, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. on days that budgets are released. They do this federally in every province as well so that they can write stories, read the whole thing before the budget's released at 4 p.m. So everything's sort of ready to go. Uh, well, so when, when it is
0: publicly released, then the media, it's embargoed until the release, but upon release, the, the media cannot just give you the fact that the budget has been released, but tell you what's in it.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I asked if I could go to the budget lockup because they had just announced it that day, like when the date was. And he said, You can go if you're reporting from CIUT. So then I was like, oh, well, that's one step forward, two steps back, right? Like, I guess he doesn't want to get into the fight of whether or not CIUT is a radio station.
0: (laughs) So, I mean, I guess that tells you something if you've been trying for four years to figure out upon which criteria you've been disallowed membership that he would allow a uh, college community radio station but not your independent news site. I guess that does seem to indicate that this is a, a distinction between legacy media, legacy print and broadcast is a welcome. Online is not. I, I, does that, I mean, I know they haven't given you a formal reason. You must have an mm-hmm. opinion about why you have have been denied.
1: I think that it's, my opinion would be well, because there are online only publications that are allowed. Uh, oh. Toronto Star has a publication called Queen's Park Briefing that started after me and does daily stuff in a subscription based model, the same as I do. And they're strictly online, they're strictly subscription based.
0: That sounds like a, your a direct competitor then.
1: Yes. And they are allowed to be members in my office.
0: They, do you think that's just because they are affiliated with the Toronto Star?
1: Um I guess someone can you know, can speculate on that as you like.
0: <laughs> well, can you speculate? I mean, what, what is this about? What is it just yeah. about the, the old kids, the old guys versus the new kids? Is that what this is?
1: Yes, I think that's what it is. Okay. I think it's, the, it's a small group of, um, I mean, I won't just, I won't say an old boys club because I think there's women involved in it as well who control the power strings of this organization, don't want new people in it don't want anybody talking about them, don't want anybody phoning them, don't want, you know, they have the reign of this building, they like it the way that it is, and they're happy to keep it that way.
0: So you felt, or I will speculate that maybe in seeing how the entire media came to Ezra Levant's defense through gritted teeth, perhaps they gave you a few passes to placate you, and stop that sort of widespread condemnation from happening, while still not giving you full access. Yeah.
1: So that was that was sort of what I figured out later the day that day more that I thought about it that yeah they just want me to shut up on Twitter and they don't want to look bad and if all that takes is letting me give the, get access to the radio station if that would work then that's easier for them I suppose.
0: Mm-hmm. You're not the only one. Ezra's not the only one. We talked to Joey Coleman and Hamilton and all of his troubles getting into uh, cover City Hall there and all of the red tape and bureaucracy. And, oh, well, you can you can, you can can come in as a member of the public. He was working out strange situations where he would have his office across the street from City Hall so he could use his own Wi-Fi. For, I mean, just bizarre, strange things in order to do his live streaming.
1: But I guess the difference between both of those situations is that it was, I believe, the government, also in Hamilton, yes. that was pu- that was controlling this, and this in this case, there's been no interference from the Ontario government. Yeah. It's it's all the the media that's deciding this.
0: It's it's your supposed colleagues, right? It's other journalists, other journalists. This is why when the Ezra thing broke out, and it was kind of fascinating to me to see this. I guess, kind of either academic or insider question, well, what is a journalist? You know, who should determine what a journalist is? Suddenly becomes something that everybody was opining about. Should the Notley government be the ones, and pretty much, there was, I think no one was saying, yes, of course, it's the government's role to decide who's a journalist and who's a reporter and who's a pundit and who's what. We seemed to kind of be, reach a consensus, and then Notley herself said, we've made a terrible mistake. Yeah, we shouldn't be in that business. And yet there was sort of a, an interesting conversation that kind of broke out in the weeds. Well, 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 how do we determine this? And and maybe through his racism or through losing libel suits or, you know, maybe Ezra does lose the ability to call himself a journalist. And the cooler heads that seem to kind of prevail and, uh, were the ones who said, well, we should do this like it's done in, in, in Ottawa. You know, uh, journalists, <laughs> journalists. Well, only yes and no. You'd say that that would be great because in that instance, in the parliamentary press gallery, journalists making the call, have been fairly liberal about it. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that there have been a couple of cases where people would say otherwise and not just Frank. uh, But by and large, we can say that that those journalists happen to be doing a good job of of issuing press credentials to other people. And then we can look at what's happening here in Ontario and perhaps come to a different conclusion. But what do you think? I mean, is this self-government model a good way of determining who is and who isn't a journalist and who and who does and who does not have the right to come and report on what elected officials are are doing as they legislate.
1: I think that it is a good model. I don't think the government should be in control of it. I think that journalists should be, but I think you're right that some they're not doing a good job in Ontario of doing that. I think that there needs to be, I mean, the whole thing that you started Canada Land to do was to talk about how media is so good at calling out other institutions for lacks of transparency and um, accountability, but they don't necessarily take well to that themselves. And I think this Queen's Park Gallery is the perfect uh, example of that. I mean, the fact that you can't find any information about them online, that there's no application process, that at one point I applied, like reapplied for membership, and it was like 6 months before they I even got an email in response and you know I'm sitting around waiting, oh, they're considering my application. No, they weren't. Like, <laughs> like prove it. Like I've no, I've no idea if they ever brought my application in front of a press gallery meeting. I have no way of finding that out. Again, I've never been told any direct reasons why I wasn't allowed um, I mean what immediately struck me in the notley letter was her lawyer saying that he's not a journalist and that has sort of been one of the was one of the things that's been said to me from them they said you're not a journalist you're a blogger and they said that that's what yeah that's what uh randy said to me last year and was that a
0: verbal exchange or what he actually that was a verbal exchange yeah yeah. okay (laughs)
1: um but and that they don't have a rules for monitoring bloggers to which my response is if i'm a blogger i'm the worst blogger in the world because everything i write's behind a paywall and <laughs> like how would i be surviving off of my business
0: if well, I've seen what you put out. I mean, it's just like, I mean, it's just not a blog. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that matters or what the deal would be. If it were a blog, that would be fine too. But it
1: just seemed that, yeah, no, nothing against blogging. It's just, I think it was used in a very dismissive way. Yeah, as, that
0: derisive, like, uh, uh, not a reporter, a blogger. Uh, right, exactly. Yeah.
1: I don't know. I think that there needs to be, and then you know what, this isn't just about me being frustrated. I'm. Why do we want to live in a, the biggest province in Canada and that you're not allowed to go to a press conference unless you work for like five different legacy news organizations. The world's changing. The press galleries are shrinking. The coverage is shrinking. And yes, this coverage I do is specific in a different way, but it gets read by important people making important decisions. And Um, Like something I'd looked at was, and this came up with Ezra as well, were a lawsuit. I talked to, I had one of the biggest constitutional lawyers in the country willing to take this case up last year, but it was pretty soon obvious that that was financially prohibitive for me because I'm just one woman with a laptop and not, (laughs) most people can't afford to take a case, especially one that's complicated because it involves things like parliamentary privilege, which is what, sort of gives the press gallery the right to operate within the legislative building. So it's- it's
0: Which is conferred to them by parliament, right? Uh, the, the, that's something that- Yeah. Right.
1: And I think constitutionally as well. So it would have involved suing the government and suing uh-huh. the press gallery. And I don't know. It just like became snowballed to something that I'm like, this is, I just paid off my student loans last yeah. month.
0: I can't. <laughs> and you've been like- uh, with these workarounds and watching live streams, you've actually been able to still report and do your job for four years and how's how's it going? Like you this is a is this a one woman operation?
1: Um mostly. I work with a freelance writer who sort of picks up the slack on times that I can't be watching or whatever, I need help. Um, and then I work with a editor, every a copy editor, I okay. guess. Um, but otherwise, just me.
0: And this is like, it's a daily operation. Whenever they're in session, you're there, and, and or at least you're watching them <laughs> from <my> live <laughs> live stream. Mm-hmm. And this is your full-time job?
1: Full-time job. When was the last time I had a part-time job? Probably two and a half years ago, so yeah.
0: How does this compare to when you were sort of in the system and, and reporting for the Hill Times? Oh, much better. (laughs) Much better financially. Much better
1: financially. Yeah, I probably I easily doubled my salary. Okay. Annual salary.
0: Oh, good for you. I'm going to suggest something to you, Mm -hmm. and it sounds like you have a very practical fight here. Like you're 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 trying to get in, and you're and you're suggesting that if we are going to have these press controlled press galleries, we they, they need to be fair, they need to be transparent, they need to work more like it works in Ottawa. I might go further than that. I I, I just feel like we are going to have this problem again and again. And as long as there are any kind of institutions or accreditations or recognitions that for lack of a better word, new media is dependent on old media to be generous and open and fair about in an environment where, it may be true that we are increasingly the direct competition and that there is a competitive business interest as well as whatever other cultural baggage stands between people who are doing this the way that you and I are and the way that these struggling legacy companies are like, we're just like at loggerheads and I'm uncomfortable with the idea that journalists get to decide who is and isn't a journalist. I mean, in every other application of what is a journalist? It's whoever says they are and whoever does journalism. There is nothing in law distinguishing anyone's charter rights to expression from a journalist's charter rights. Or, or there, there's no—I mean, I, I've gotten into this many different ways on the show. But we operate—we're not licensed, we're not regulated. You need better credentials to be a barber, and that's how it should be. And that's actually an opportunity now that everybody has the ability to take out their phone. And be a journalist—that's good. I mean, you can have any kind of club you want in society, but why should we have a club that is sort of uh, validated by the state, uh, as press galleries are?
1: I mean, I think it works pretty well for the state at this point. Um, I think that there's the state doesn't want to get involved. I mean, we've seen the problems Alberta when they got when they got involved, but on another level, they don't want to step in because they don't want to. So, I've tried to get accredited for previous budgets and talk to the Ministry of Finance because the thing is, by the government and the political parties, I'm treated like a journalist. They send me all their news releases, their events, everything, just as they would anybody else. But once I try to, if I try to ask them for access, they don't want to piss off the gallery, right? Because they don't want to get every journalist in Ontario angry at them because they're the ones who write the headlines every day, right? Sure. <laughs> so,. I'm not sure that's answering your question.
0: No, I, I'm asking <laughs> you to indulge in a bit of a thought experiment with right. me. I mean, if, Who should
1: make the decision? If
0: Robert Fife can go and walk uh, after there's a cabinet meeting and, and stick a microphone in the face of a minister um, or, you know, uh, anybody who's accredited can, can walk up and just join a scrum, why shouldn't anybody? Why should journalists have some special status to be able to do that? Why should, if there's a, a budget, a public document is being released and somebody says, yeah, I, I would like to, I'm, I'm reporting on this. You know, why should it matter if they're from a newspaper or they have a, a Twitter feed? And I know that there's going to be a practical concern. Well, then you're going to have every retiree and hobbyist come in and, and, you know, the actual people who are professionals are not going to be able to actually do their job because they're going to be crowded out by Joe Public, which I'm skeptical that, 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 that <laughs> many people have that much of an interest in doing this kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, until we actually run into that sort of a, a bottleneck with it, why are journalists so special i mean and 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 why couldn't anyone just call themselves a journalist
1: i mean i think the the one thing that comes to mind is perhaps a security issue i mean you get a background check of some sort i think when you're getting a parliamentary press pass but at the same time, I think that's fairly minimal and probably not the biggest issue. <laughs> it isn't. And in
0: fact, those kinds of things that are practical considerations would weed out a lot of people who are just like, hey, I've that's got, true. you know, if you just set up a couple of things like that. Um, and if there's any, you know, I don't know, marginal cost involved. And if there's a a public workroom where people who need to have access and they have to pay, you know, once you set up a couple of things like that, you're going to weed out. You know, a lot of the if you conceive that that's going to be a big problem, that you're going to be, you know, stormed by all of these hobbyists, a little bit of red tape will uh, will go a long way there. I just I I guess I just resistant to anybody who wants to be a gatekeeper as to who's a journalist and who isn't.
1: I think it definitely needs to be more transparent and and opened up. And I think more people need to talk about it. Like I've mentioned three people that this have that I know, including myself, that have run into this. and we we know of a couple stories from Ottawa. But what about everybody else? Like it, what else is happening in Nova Scotia? What's happening in Edmonton? What's happening in Victoria? Like, are there independent journalists there running up against walls? Or are they being let in? Who knows? It seems like the rules as they are, at least in Ontario, are protecting no one but the legacy media that are given the power and sort of the run of the space. I mean, they all have Free offices in the legislative assembly building in the middle of downtown Toronto. I mean, if that's and they all know the circumstances like their jobs aren't necessarily secure. So whatever you can do to keep what you have especially if it includes perks like that and a paycheck. Um, I think that that's what's behind it. Why would you want to open the doors to to more competition, to more people that could somehow risk you? I mean, I'm not competition to CBC, but I guess I'm still a, a threat to whatever, a threat to the establishment. Are you, I mean,
0: I, I, like, are you a threat? I, I, in a sense, you're a competitor, uh, but the only one that I could see you being a direct competitor to is that Toronto Star product. I'm going to hazard a guess here that this is not so much a a question of professional competition as much as it is a perception of threat, that you represent something that I think – I mean, CHCH, look what just happened there. Mm -hmm. I think that people are feeling threatened by the internet and threatened by – the destruction of their business model, which has to do with the wider internet, I don't think that it has to do with Queens Park today. No, <laughs> I don't think that CHCH has anything to fear from.
1: I don't think so either. <laughs> your your
0: paywall newsletter model, no. you know, is I mean, it seems like it's just a different business thing, business model entirely.
1: It definitely is, and I think that. If they let me in, they'd really like me. I mean, I'm pretty nice. (laughs) But that doesn't seem to matter to them.
0: (laughs) You seem lovely. Thanks so much for talking with me today. Okay. Thanks, Jesse. Well, I did follow up with the Ontario Legislative Press Gallery, tried to get their side of this. I tried President Randy Rath first, but the only public contact information I could find for him was a phone number at Queen's Park, and that number went straight to a full voicemail box. So I tried other members of their executive. I called up Press Gallery Treasurer Mike Crawley of the CBC, got him on the phone, and he said, yes, it's a subject of debate here. What is a legitimate media organization? I asked him if Allison's site qualified as legitimate, and if not, why not? He said he's not familiar with the case. Said he wasn't there when the gallery voted against her. He referred me to Press Gallery Secretary Christina Blizzard of Sun News, told me that she's the one who handles membership stuff. I called up Christina and all she said was, I think we've made it clear to Allison what our position is. So I asked her, what is that position? She said she was on deadline, couldn't talk with me. I asked her if I could interview her after her deadline. She said, no. She referred me back to press gallery president, Randy Rath, but she wouldn't give me his email address. I found one for Randy Rath and I asked him if he wanted to do an interview to respond to what Allison had said. And he wrote me back. He said, here's my response but of course I hadn't told him what she'd said yet. He emailed me a statement and here's what that said. By voting to reject Alison Smith's membership, a majority of gallery members determined that her website, Queens Park Today, did not meet the criteria laid out in the constitution. Membership in the press gallery implicitly endorses a member's journalistic legitimacy and credibility. As such, the gallery must ensure that those who are granted membership adhere to to journalistic principles. I asked him if that means that Allison hasn't adhered to journalistic principles. He hasn't written me back yet. If he does, I'll put that on the website. He did include a copy of the Queens Park Press Gallery Constitution, and we've posted it on our website. Well, that's your Canada Land Show. I hope you liked it. You can always email me. I'm at jesse at canadalandshow.com. We are on Twitter at Canada Land. Our website is canadalandshow.com and our crowdfunding site is patreon.com slash Canada Land. The next episode of Canada Land Commons will be up on Tuesday, and the next episode of Canada Land Shortcuts will be up on Thursday. I make this show with Katie Jensen. If you like what we do, please support us.